Welcome to Royal Generations Podcast, hosted by me, Lucia del Pilar. On this very special episode, I have a woman who is a warrior in the spirit and in the natural. She is a mother of four beautiful children. She is an entrepreneur, and she is someone that has not thrived in every single thing that she does. She is the owner and founder of A Queen's Worth that has thousands of you followers on Instagram, more than 100K. And she's a woman who not only um, receives from uh, the source that comes from God, but she also gives on to many other women. She's a mentor. She's a mother. She's a sister. She's a leader. And she's someone that has personally influenced me, even in starting this podcast. She is a woman who has prophesied to me. She is a woman who has impacted me. And her influence in this generation, because we know that in these times that we're living in, evil keeps getting evil and the better just keeps getting best. So without further ado, I introduce everyone to Livy Anderson, better known as Coach Livy, founder of A Queen's Hey, hey, Lucia. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm honored to be on Royal Generations. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us, Coach Livy. And I'm thrilled and honored to what you're even going to share with the audience today. So I wanted just to start off, share with us a little bit of the background of where you came from and how you got started. Beautiful, beautiful. I am from the beautiful South Florida area. I actually was born and raised in Broward County, uh, Florida, and literally graduated from one of the best schools in South Florida, Stranahan High School. I stand on that. Um, back in 2004, uh, so I'm, I'm from down south, and I was kind of raised real low-key. You know, it, it's, there was some poverty, uh, but in, in that first 10 years after school, I kind of traveled a little bit. I hit the, you know, Orlando area, did some school, and then God changed my life. So, I mean, I'm from South Florida, and I, I absolutely love the beaches. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm just a woman who loves God. Um, but, yeah, Broward County is like, that's my stomping ground. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And I wanted for you to share with us. So, where did the business and the, the whole journey and the dream of Coach, uh, Queen's Worth start? Yes. So, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, back in 2011, uh, you know, I had just had my son the previous year, the end of December, and I was uh, home. I, I, I had, you know, walked away from my old job and I said, you know, I'm not I'm never going back. Um, I just couldn't do it. And so I, you know, I nurtured my son. I was able to really be a mom. I was able to breastfeed. He's my, fir- my fourth child. So after working 10 years in the workforce, I said, let me just take this break from me. I never planned on going back to work. I never planned on not going back to work. It was just being in that moment. And that was back in 2011 that, you know, I, I nurtured him. I, I started really taking care of my little ones uh, much more as a, as a mother. I was married at that time. So I would just take care of them. And for me, God began to spark in my heart to inspire and encourage women. Because I began to realize that I was living a life where I was literally the one leading. I was taking care of all the bills, the expenses in the home. My ex-husband, he would work, but he never made enough 
to be able to, you know, support a family in a, 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 a small income, not a, let alone a median or a higher level income. So for me, if we didn't, if I didn't work, we didn't eat. If I didn't work, we could not pay our rent. If I didn't work, it was required of me to work. And so I made, you know, about 80% of the income in the household. I made, I made quite a bit of it. Um, and he could never really hold a higher paying job. So for me, I began to realize after losing the job in 2000, uh, in 10 and deciding not to go back in 2011, I just knew in my heart, I said, God, I want to encourage a woman to know who she is. I, I, I realized it was the beginning of a journey. I, I begin to wake up and say, I've been living this life, chasing behind this dream. I chased behind the home. I chased behind jobs and I chased behind, you know, the, the, the income increases in income, but I didn't really know who I was. And so what I just said, my simple desire was to inspire and encourage women, but it, that's really funny because I'm thinking it's low key. I'm going to maybe do a couple of blog posts now, you know, I'll impact people's lives and that'll be it. You know, I might start a couple of businesses um, and that'll be it. But obviously that's not the plan that God had for me. So it, it got hard after my unemployment ended because that was really keeping us afloat that whole time. After my unemployment ended, we lost everything um, because I said, oh. I, I'm not going back to work. I'm not going back to that woman that I was. You know, I was working 60 hours a week. I wasn't taking care of my children. Things were happening with my little ones I, weren't, I wasn't aware of. So it was a constant decision not to go back to work back in 2012. Uh, and in June, right, my birth month, 2012, that's when everything went haywire. That's the first time I ever was homeless was in June of 2012. And the, the dream to inspire and encourage women never changed, but my conditions did. So I almost wow. had to fight to realize you know, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm not going to try to fight to hold this old life. I put my hands up and I said, God, you have it. And he definitely took it. Like it was, it wasn't mine to begin with. It's something I built with my own hands. And when I finally put my hands up, everything fell apart. And I thought that, you know, my life was over. So we went through a couple of months of homelessness. We went into the mission home in Orlando, Florida. We were in the Orlando Union Rescue Mission. It's a great place, a faith-based mission home. But in that mission home, something happened, Lucia, uh, in September... 2012 and I stepped foot in there and I said at this point the marriage is over even though we had not officially gotten divorced it, the marriage was over I said it's over at this point you were not willing to go through the lows with me when I was paying all the bills and taking care of that you were willing to walk with me then when I was the one basically managing our lives and and leading us to different places different levels of lifestyle living you know I was never one to, to live in poverty I, I didn't want to live like my parents had lived like I had lived most of my childhood I didn't want to do that but I realized that there were some things wrong with me that I had to be delivered from and so I, I said no you know what the marriage is over and that was my constant decision I said we can't I can't ever go back to that woman and I don't think you're ready to grow I'm ready to grow and he demonstrated that over and over again he demonstrated it over and over again he would literally sabotage me every time I thought I was progressing uh in our homelessness something would change. And so I realized that one thing I kept consistent through there, though, was my desire to write and encourage women. I said, God, what is this desire? What is this hunger? There is something in me that just can't quite sit down and do life regular, knowing that there's people who live the way I've lived, and they're leaving these lives where they're not happy, they're not fulfilled. They may be making all the money in the world, but they're living in misery and they're unfulfilled and they're unhappy but, and they don't understand it's because they're not living the purpose of God for their life. Come they're on, not yeah. walking in purpose and they're unhappy. 
And so I started to write. That's where it all started. I started to write in the homeless shelter, in the mission home, which is basically a faith-based homeless shelter. I began to write, and that was September 2012. Um, I, I kind of reactivated the Worthy Queen because I started it earlier in the year, but my, you know, my indecisiveness, my not wanting to let my old life go stopped it. So I had to pick it back up in 2012. And when I picked it back up, I realized I had a gift for writing. You know, it's odd that most times you don't know you have a gift until someone else says it. Mm-hmm. But the way that I found out that my gift was great, right? You know, funny enough, is not because I, I've been writing forever. I was writing since I was a kid. But writing is one of my gifts for the kingdom and when I began to write I knew I was leaving the the, the uh, mission home because after about three and a half months there I believe I gained all I could gain from that place it's a great place people stay there sometimes a year year and a half some people some families will stay there and buy homes from that place they'll help them they'll give them financial education all of this all of this stuff but I knew it wasn't for me because I was not willing to forgo a holiday with my family in order to stay in the shelter. I said, no, it doesn't make sense that I can't go and spend Thanksgiving with my family. I've never been that type to live by those kind of restrictions. So I said, you know, maybe it's time for me to go. And they agreed. It was time for me to go. Um, so I wrote a thank you thing, a thank you article. I was a writer for the uh, examiner.com this, that doesn't exist anymore, but it was an examiner.com. And I was an Orlando examiner. And as the Orlando Examiner, I was like, okay, the Orlando Union Rescue Mission. Like, Let me just write about them. Let me write about this feel-good piece. So I wrote about them. It was a two-page article. I took pictures. I wrote from the beginning to end. And I gave myself a deadline of two days because I had to use the computer in the shelter. And, you know, you have to be done by a certain time. 4 p.m. was our cutoff time. So I made my 4 p.m. by the next day this article was going to be done. It was my thank you letter to them, my heart of gratitude saying, I'm just thankful that you helped me to rededicate my life to Christ. I got baptized. Uh, I began to know what my purpose was again. I began to be more whole. You know, God put the pieces back together in those three and a half months. I just began to create something. And there was a stirring in me in that place. And so when I wrote it, I'm thinking it's all good. It's done. I did my due diligence. And then um, I told my caseworker, I said, yeah, I wrote a thank you letter to you guys. I kind of published it. It's on my, it's on my, uh, I'm a journalist and I'm, I'm like, I'm not a journalist, but I'm like, I write for a kind of website. And she said, oh, really? I said, yeah, here's the link. I, I went to her, what, her computer, showed her the link. I was like, yeah, I did it. And I walked out. And then she was reading when I walked out. The next day I get called to administration and they're like, listen, we read your article two days ago because the moment you released it and you published it on the website, anytime our name pops up anywhere, we get a Google alert. And so we knew someone had written, but we thought wow. you were an undercover journalist. I'm like, no, I'm really homeless. I really have four kids, and I'm really sitting up here trying to figure out what to do next. But I trust God. I know I got to leave the shelter. I know I got to go. She said, no, you could write for nonprofits. She began to tell me this. Some of the people said, you wrote this? I said, yeah, I wrote it, like right the, upstairs in, in, the, in the mission. They were shook. <laughs> and then that's when it began to dawn on me, God, maybe this is really a gift. Maybe this is really a life-changing thing that I can use for me and my family. I don't know how I'm going to use it at this point, but I realized one uh, one of the uh, staff came up to me and said, "This is better than anything I've read in, in the and 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 you know the Orlando Sentinel. Like you could, this is this is good stuff." And when he said that, I almost cried because not only did I find myself in Christ, I found something that I I've always been doing, but that these people said. You, you can't be the person that wrote this. They thought I was an undercover journalist who had written it out so well and had written out all their programs. I said, no, I'm just a black woman with, two, with four children who is here because I'm trying to rebuild my life after a, a separation, which, of course, 
of the divorce later on. So that was the beginning. Was saying, I, wow. I, I have a gift. Let me use this. And you are, and you are a woman of resource because you use the resources that you had. And a lot of times when we come, and I, I really, I really admire you for that, and I have so much respect for you because there are times when people are in homeless shelters, they there is a spirit kind of of like defeat that will arise within that those places but it all depends on which also shelter you're in this shelter particularly they were actually helping you so much and they were making sure that you would be up on your exactly and i believe that in your in your surroundings you had that resilient spirit in you that was like i'm gonna bounce back from this hardship i am not defined by my circumstance i am defined first of all of my identity being as a daughter of god and i believe in during that time your faith was increasing it really yeah. was. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and the one thing that was was broken there was the need to be loved by man. Uh, one thing I asked God wow. there, this is when I first started to hear God really clearly. I began to write to God and I said, God, who's going to love me with four children? You know, I'm a single mom. And he said, I love you first. It was a song that he shared about Meredith. I think her name is Meredith. I don't know her last name. Maybe it's Wilson. I'm not sure. Her name is Mer- Meredith. And she had the son that said that says, I'm the one that loved you all your life. It's a beautiful song. I heard it on Z88.3. That was, that's the Christian radio station in Orlando. And when I heard that, it was du- a direct answer to the question I was asking God in my notebook. He used the music to speak to me. And so I began to speak back in the way that he was speaking to me. I began to worship. And so I began to worship at night. I began to worship over my children. It really broke some things that, that was developing in them that I didn't know about because I was so busy working and trying to take care of the household and play both roles that I wasn't being mom. And so when I lost the job and I realized some things were broken, worshiping with my children, praying with them, helped to heal some of that brokenness that the enemy tried to bring on them uh, from lack of proper care, lack of them being uh, washed over by their dad. Like they didn't, we didn't, we never had childcare because I thought, okay, you wash them during the day, I wash them at night. The problem was he wasn't telling me that he wasn't really washing them during the day. He would put them in a room for a few hours take his naps or sleep or whatever, get up and go, but he wasn't watching our children. And so instead of us getting childcare, which would have been the best thing, you know, we, they ended up doing, you know, learning some really horrible habits for little people. For little children, they began to learn some bad habits that I only discovered once that job let me go. It let me go for being four minutes late. Of course I got unemployment because they let me go unfairly. Okay. I was like, what? You guys, you're terminating me? They didn't care, but I definitely won that suit. Got unemployment for close to 18 months. They paid me, uh, you know, 60% of what I was paid. I was paid well. So, of course, my unemployment was enough to take care of many of the bills in the household, even though I was, it was unemployment. It was just that much money I was making mm-hmm. at 26 years old with no, uh, you know, college degree, some college. I was making good money in Orlando. And so I had to realize something. And the Lord began to show me that even now. He says, never allow the pursuit of more money to sabotage your first ministry. These are your children. I've entrusted them wow. to you. This is your first ministry. And so even... Can you say that again, please? Yes. Can you say that again? That's Yes. So, so the Lord began to tell me, he said, never allow your pursuit of success to make more money to sabotage your first ministry. Never allow that pursuit of money and success to come between you and you being a mother of the, the little people that I've entrusted you with. And I began to take that to heart. And I said, Lord, I want to homeschool. That didn't happen until several years later once money started coming in and I started being able to make some more, de- some more individual decisions. But I homeschool now. 
and I'm never going to put them in a school system. When I have the ability now to know what their influences are, to know what their emotional issues are, to know what the triggers are, and to address them, I see them all day, every day. There's no one that knows them better than me. There's not, they're not in any school program. I would never put them there because God has gifted me to be able to homeschool and to be able to take care of my first ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm, come on. And I think that's very, very powerful. And how has the Lord like, helped you in terms of balancing your business your god-given business with the ministry of being a mother well this is the thing you know my children they typically they they do their schoolwork and it's like you know three to four hours a day that's not a big deal but when we're together they already know like the people are like they're so well behaved it's because they are literally they are trained women of god so they know that when i'm on the call like right now they're in the car with me you just don't hear them you don't hear them when they're all under 12. So they could be screaming at mommy, I'm home. No, they already know. And they already know that when mommy hangs up from a business call, when I hang up from a coaching call, when I hang up from an international client, when I hang up, listen, she don't have nothing else to do. She's my mommy. So she's going to go with me. She's going to go get me some food. She's going to go watch movies with me because the only thing that is between me and them is this job. And this is my job, my ministry, the, the, the calling of the gospel. When I'm doing broadcast, they're playing at the park. I manage my time well for a single woman with the influence that I have. Uh, you know, I make over six figures a year. And I also have, what, uh, I think 150,000 followers on Instagram. There's no way if I didn't have a good schedule and well-trained children that I'd be able to do this. So in the beginning, it was rough. In the beginning, I had to train them. Hey, mommy's on a coaching call when I did coaching in the beginning. But as I got better, I would say, hey, can I put you on hold? And then, hey, something's going on with the kids. I put them on pause for a minute, come right back to the call and pick it up like nothing happened once that issue is addressed. Because remember, they're my first ministry. But I still got to make sure that we can Mm -hmm. eat, okay, that we're taken care of. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's the balance. And you know what's funny? I can't do it on my own. It's, It's by the grace of God that my children are with me, that I am still homeschooling, that I'm still handling my business, still making the money. It is by the grace of God that, and I'm preparing for marriage now. God has already told me that it's coming for me and for many are connected to me that marriage is coming. So I said, okay, God, just make me better. Show me me so I don't sabotage what you're about to do in terms of marriage. For the, for the right mm, man come on. that you're sending into my life that can bear the weight uh, of the anointing of my life, of the responsibility that I am an, I'm an entrepreneur and that you're not going to be jealous or insecure. Like these are the kind of things that God has told me to prepare for because he's going to send me one that can handle it. Wow. And with that being said, um, I have two questions. First, what um, message would you give to moms who are in your same predicament right now, who are right now managing their children? And it's been a little bit hard of a balance between taking care of the house or even if they are a single mom taking care of their children by themselves and still being able to put food on their table. And I, I will say this. And what, one thing I just heard the Holy spirit say is that employment in the world makes it easier to live in the world, but then there has to come a balance in where you have to learn how to be your children's first, first line of defense is you. So let's say you're, you're they're in the school system and you know, things are really crazy your daughter's picking up bad habits. Maybe your son is not being careful. Well, and spiritually, you feel guilty because you have to work. Don't feel guilty for being a woman that's going to take care of her children. My thing is create a plan. So if you're working, you know, 9 to 5 or 11 to 8 or whatever you schedule you're working, you have to look and say, Lord, who can I trust? Does it have to be mom? 
is mom available? Does it have to be dad? Can I trust dad to take care of the? Because some people have that testimony that their own fathers mishandled them when they were children. So you have to know who mm-hmm. can I trust with my children, God, and it, that that you have to pray for God to show you the way because there is a way out of feeling stuck. No woman under the sound of my voice should ever feel like she can't she she can't handle her life and that she she wishes she would have you know waited on the right guy because she's left as a single mom or maybe she wished you know that she would have waited until marriage before this happened or maybe she did get married and get divorced. No woman that that's listening to this podcast right now should feel guilty about taking on, care yes. of their family. But when when the enemy says you can't take care of your kids because you have to work and you know you don't really have a lot of options, you know that's not God. God will always put you mm. at peace and give you options and show you a way out. He will make a way of escape. And so I plead the blood of Jesus right now that the Lord show you a way of escape. Yes. Because I feel in my heart that if you're called to the workforce, then there is a nanny, there is a care.com, there is someone maybe even in the church, mm-hmm. there is a, a, instead of maybe a, a public school program, there is a a, a, a daycare that, that, you know, is Holy Spirit filled where you can leave your children and you can see cameras 24-7. There's options. And you don't have to worry about the cost. God will finance wherever he provides you, wherever he sends you, he'll finance child care that you can trust will and that that even if you don't have you forgot to pray they'll pray they're like hey i prayed over him today and he everything is a good he's a little sick wow. you know you gotta find that and that is out there don't you allow the enemy to tell you it's not there because of where you live or the location you're in like girl i'm hearing god he says that some things are oh, regional god. so some women are sitting out here working and their children are really being uh, messed with by the enemy because the enemy always comes after the seed that's anointed to prosper the next generation. Come on, so come some on. of your babies may be, you know, little little prophetesses, little prophets. They may be priests. They may be men and women of God, evangelists that the enemy wants to break now. Right? And so he'll try to bring things against mm-hmm. your child, but I plead the blood of Jesus even now over your children for healing. And the reason why I'm praying over these children because the Lord has shifted the call a little bit, if you don't mind. I hear in my heart that there is some warfare. Okay, that's being dealt with in private mm-hmm. that they're not they're not telling people about because they're ashamed of what it would mean for them as a mother if I said, Hey, someone hurt my baby and I don't know how to how to fix the hurt or I don't know what to do because I was working and, and I had to keep working but now I don't know I don't have childcare I might lose my job. I come against that the that spirit of division and destruction over your seed, over your yes, children. Let the peace of God fill your heart. He's about to show you a way out. Because they're like, listen, if a whole bunch of moms got to get together, you know what I'm saying? And one of you like, okay, listen, I'll take one day a week off and I'll watch the kids. Or maybe we'll have something where if you have one mom that doesn't have a job, okay, let's pitch in, get you paid $300 a week between all the moms and you babysit the kids. You know, we start to create something. You see how God does with me? We start to create a business for mm-hmm. someone so that not only are they making money and they're, you know, able to do it, but now the household is being served. And maybe just maybe they can begin mm-hmm. to follow their dreams now instead of having to work at some job to take care of their own kids. Now they just really created an at-home daycare that's legal. They made it legal. You guys pitched in and you created something that could take care of your families. This is economics 101. This is group economics mm-hmm. that works together to prosper. And I think we all know, I think our parents did it, but they didn't think of it the way that we think now because we, the money, the demand for to have money is there now more than ever. And so there's a way to yep. still follow the pattern of excelling a, a community, but do it with income. Mm, that is so powerful. And Coach Levy, because we know when, when it comes to anointing, anointing comes, and you're a very anointed woman. We know that anointing comes by crushing, by pressure. 
So can you share with the audience um, those points in time within the recent years that you went through a moment that you felt crushed, that you felt, you know what, like when the Lord, um, I know he shifted you from South Florida now to live in Georgia and how that process was for you and how share with the audience of how sometimes the enemy wants to pull you back to your, to your um, previous struggle, but you have to have a grit. You have to have an attitude of saying the devil is defeated and he is under my feet. And I refuse to go back to my previous struggle, even though people think that the solution is a common sense factor and I have to go do that. So if you can share, share some light. On so that. I'm, I'm about to go in, woman of God, because I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is something that the yo-yo, I'm going to call it a yo-yo. And I'm not going to call it the arrow effect because the arrow effect is when God pulls you back to launch you forward. But there's something that I believe mm-hmm. is the yo-yo, meaning you go up and you go down, you go up and you go down, and we're all familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've noticed, even when I shifted to Atlanta and I became, I came out of that struggle and I started getting my income right, money, it doesn't solve all your problems. It answers all things, but it doesn't mm-hmm. solve all problems. I need, to, I need to be scripturally sound. The, the money answers all things, but it doesn't solve every problem. Right, so you can be making mm-hmm. money and not know how to manage the money. Guess what? You may be the problem. You can know how to make money, but for some reason, you don't know why you keep getting stuck with, with more, you know, bill than money at the end of the month. You know, you make good money, you make more than your bills. What's going on? Remember that the enemy nickels and dimes you, he tries to break you, which is why tithing and sowing, even in the you know, it's so mm-hmm. important, right? But I want to talk come about on, this, yes. this crushing. The enemy will convince you after you come out, you that. You have to go back in in order to be comfortable. I've said this earlier today on the broadcast mm-hmm. that familiarity is not your friend. Being familiar in the place, mm-hmm. comfortable, being comfortable in the place is not your friend. It'll keep you stuck and stagnant quicker than anything on the earth. It's saying, I just want to be comfortable. When someone says, I just want to be comfortable, it's an alarm to me that maybe we're not a good fit. Because that means to me that you don't understand what it is to be a believer. It is not to be comfortable. It's to be effective. It's to be able to go into the world, Ooh. the world, right? And to say, listen, I want to be able to help somebody. And that means that I got to put somebody else before me. I, I'm not comfortable anymore, right? Because I'm putting someone else before me. I'm putting someone's needs before my yeah. own needs. Well, that, that selflessness makes us distinctly uncomfortable. So God, you know, told me, he's told me many times over these years that I've overcome the grave. But that doesn't mean the grave didn't try to show up and overcome me again. I've had to get into a place where I used, I would just, sit and cry with God because I said, Lord, why? And the Lord would say, because you're dealing with familiar demons, familiar spirits. I'm so sorry. It's dealing with familiar spirits, meaning these spirits are something that might have dealt with your parents. You might have dealt with it before. And they they hang around until you are delivered from these things and until the spirit, the thing, the root that caused this issue, maybe maybe it's a pride issue where you don't know how to ask for help. Uh, maybe it's insecurities. Maybe it's the fact that you, what's in you is so powerful that the enemy wants to snatch you out of the game before you ever finish the season, before you ever see what it is to know that God is real. So you're still in the test, but he wants to cut you off then. He doesn't want you to have a testimony. I believe that w- mm. what, what what I've been dealing with, and I, I've, I've dealt with it on and off for about five years, 
is a familiar spirit of homelessness okay and so i would have to mm-hmm. say i refuse i'm not going into a homeless shelter i make ten thousand dollars a month what am i going to a homeless shelter for god began to show me that when i was in was i was in my hometown the same way that jesus had to leave nazareth why because he could only heal a few sicknesses he couldn't really reach his full potential in his hometown we are the same we will not be able to fulfill our fulfill our full potential in places where god says we've outgrown it move we've outgrown it shift this is what i believe is is the is the issue is that when you start getting comfortable and familiar and you start the enemy brings the same old problems around which is why you have to constantly you know yes it's okay to be at peace that's not the same thing as being comfortable, is it? Being at peace knows that you are stable of mind, you are stable in purpose, and you are at peace. But that means you, but that, but you're still like, okay, God, how can I grow today? How can I grow next week? What's my goals for 2019? Yes, that's the different mindset. That's that's the how can I grow? Because I don't want to get comfortable just making 80 grand a year. I don't want to get comfortable, you know, just because hey, I got a I got a new job. Okay, great, God, I got a new job. I want a two year plan. I want to I want to I want a pay raise. I want to get my own place in a year. You got to start. You got to always constantly make goals. Why? Because we are goal-driven individuals, people. We are humanity. And we thrive off of reaching our potential, our next level, our next goal. Yes. And so when you yes. think about that and all the word and the, I just feel like Jesus was destined for the cross. Because how can you turn water into mm-hmm. wine and not be called of God? I'm just being real, right? How can you, you make a, yep. a blind man see and not, have a higher calling this is when he was just walking the earth in his purpose so think about all the things that you might have be you might be doing right now woman of god that i might have done right in the last five years that you may be doing in the last two years as you said yes and you're saying yes to ministry as people who are listening the stuff you do in the beginning is literally like a precursor to the glory that's on your life come on so of course the enemy is so fight crazy you. that's a crazy thought mm-hmm. that's it he's gonna fight you He's going to want to take you out. He's going to tell you that this 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 believing God thing isn't worth it. This following, doing the right thing isn't worth it. Which is why Galatians 6 and 9 says, grow not weary. So when I tell you, when I had to press woman of God, I had to cry it out. They, I, sometimes I just couldn't call anybody. I had to sit before the Lord and just wait. I had to sit before God and just pray. And I had to believe that the I had to believe that God could and that God will deliver. I had to believe. And that is why a relationship with God is so important. It's not just some, you know, um, religious strategy that's just, you know, thrown out there. No, it is so crucial for a person to know God and to be given the guidance of God. How many years can you save from a struggle that because you thought you were doing it on your own, because you thought it was the best, because people were to- told you, yeah, that's the best thing to do, but it wasn't right fit for you. You know, and I know with parts of your testimony, Coach Levy, people would tell you, no, go to the familiar thing. I remember you sharing um, when you shifted to Atlanta, people were telling you, go back to the homeless shelter, go back to the homeless shelter. And you had this holy anger that you were like, no, like you said earlier, I'm not going back there. I refuse to go back to the old thing. And I believe that there is, like it says in the word of Isaiah 54, even something that God has spoken to me recently in my life, I need you to completely forget the old thing. I don't know what old thing it is, 
for whoever's listening that that um how that relates to you in particular maybe it's a person maybe it's a place maybe it's a a, a scenario that continues to repeat itself you know of um toxic relationships of uh, addictions of whatever it is the god says i need you to get rid of the old i need you to completely get rid of what you have been used to so i can bring in the new thing i really need you to say enough is enough with this and he'll bring you your new thing and i believe coach Sevi, your testimony is incredibly powerful because you overcame homelessness and you have authority now for whoever is dealing with homelessness um whether that have been a generational curse or um, a curse that came onto them because of bad decision making um, or because of bad um, associations that led them to be in that place. I believe that you have such an authority for that. So I believe uh, and I, if you can just share with the audience, like a word of encouragement for anybody that is dealing with that right now, that is about to lose their house, that is like, what am I going to do right now? Because I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I want you to share with us, please. Yes. One thing that's important to note, and I'm this is this is a two this is I'm gonna give you two things, two ways. I'm gonna just let the Holy Spirit lead my answer because I, I begin to think of two things. One thing is let's say you are at the end of your rope, you have no other resources. You don't know what's going to happen. If this doesn't happen, it's, you're going to lose everything kind of thing, right? You have to decide one, not even decide. You have to know this is not a decision you make. It's a knowledge you come into. Has God said yes. that it's yours to keep? If so, then it's yours in the story. But Livy, I don't have mm. any money or I don't, I don't, the money's not coming in. My husband's not able to make as much as he used to. My, I, I'm not able to do it. I have a disability. Like you said, a losing the house thing is important in this hour. Because we think we went through something with the Great Recession or whatever happened, uh, at, you know, eight years ago, eight to, eight to ten years ago. Remember that that Great uh, Recession we went through? Yeah. We think we went through something then, but the, the market goes in cycles. So when the, because the market goes in mm. cycles, there's going to be people who, and you already seeing it, whole factories shutting down, cutting 14,000 jobs, cutting 10,000 jobs. Uh, at the top of the year, people woke up and at Sam's Club had just locked the doors. They didn't tell them they didn't have jobs anymore. They went to work and the doors was locked. Things like that are already happening this year. And it's, not, it's only going to get worse. You just don't see it all over the media. You don't see that because those in office, those in office don't want you to see what's about to come. It's, it's just, it's a part of the market. And no distinct executive office or uh, one presidential person or another is responsible for this. This is not something that the president, or this is not even that. This is the way the markets Mine. flow. And so much is dependent on the markets in America. So that when you see things like this start to happen, I begin to say this at the top of the year, we're about to go into another recession and, and it's, it's going to be a heavy one. And so this is a time to secure your household. This is a time for Psalm 91 anointing for real. Listen, woman of God. So that's why that, that, that one with the foreclosure was spirit led. Foreclosures are happening. I'm about to lose my house. The devil's a liar. The Lord says, what I give you, no man can take away. And that as you begin to, you know, get smart about ways to, create additional income uh, you, you ways to use the work of your hands i say this there's always an out if god says hey no you're not losing your house you've prayed you fasted and you heard the lord say wait you're not gonna lose it it's yours guess what it's yours that just means now you gotta say okay god what is my what is my job in this thing what am i doing what do me and my husband need to do and when the opportunity comes for you to start a new business don't shake your head at it and try to be old school do what god said do 
when the opportunity comes for you to say, okay, listen, I don't know about this, this thing with this credit restoration thing. I don't want to do this. But these people who do credit restoration out of South Florida, the person who recruited me two years ago, and I have never worked a business, but I'm a coach. I don't do that. You know, I'm trying to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I still pay for it every month. I've been paying for it for two years. Credit restoration. This boy makes over 30 thousand dollars a month some of his checks have been and he's shown me these checks have been thirty thousand dollars in a week money in a week helping people restore their Mm -hmm. credit what would you do with thirty thousand dollars a month but you'd have to be able to be submitted to someone who has done it who has grown you have to try something new even as a 30 uh, a 50 year old or a 60 year old you'd have to be willing to try something new and that could be the thing that saves your house that could be the thing that turns your finances around and gives you financial freedom and overflow for your family because you're restoring credit or you're selling this or you're selling that or you're this MLM multi-level marketing. We call it a scam. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, if you lost your job and that you didn't plan on losing and you have nowhere else to turn to and the Lord presents you an opportunity, don't Come on. don't despise small beginnings just because it looks like it requires yes. hard work and that it requires you to be mm-hmm. open to learning something new because it could be the answer. Now, the second part of yep. this is what if God says, all right, he, he does, he's, he's quiet, he's silent. And you just know in your heart, maybe, just maybe, it's time to let go. Maybe God told you a year ago it's time to sell the house you just didn't want to because you were concerned about money. Or maybe God said a year ago it's time to leave the job, but you didn't want to because you were concerned about, remember, money is a small God. It's mammon. I've learned that money mm-hmm. is a God that speaks. And you have to learn how to put it under the feet of the king by tithing off of Come it. On. I tithe off of everything I get. There's a tithe. And the Lord has recently convicted me because he told me to give a tithe in an offering at the top of the year. And I was doing that until money got tight. Again, money controlled my controlled my, my, my giving even. And the Lord corrected me even this past week on that. So I don't give 10%. I give a lot more because God requires that of me where I am, of my income. So let's think about mm. this, right? Someone is about to lose something. They're, they're, they're scared. They're nervous. The rent is due. Uh, they got to feed their babies. They don't know what to do. God has given you the ability to create wealth according to Deuteronomy 8.18. There's, there's blessings and favor. It's in your hands. You just may not know what that looks like yet. You may not have sown any seed in the ground. You may not even know what that seed looks like. And so we're going to talk about that in a moment. I know you're going to, I can feel it in my Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about breaking this seed yes. thing down and harvest and really yes. making money because that's a part of my gift. Um, it's what I train people to do is how to get started on social media. You know, you know that. So literally, I just believe that we're in a season where entrepreneurship is about to take over. More millionaires in the next two years will be made in entrepreneurship and real estate than anywhere else. Oh, come on. In Jesus' name, probably. Entrepreneurship and real estate. That's going to be it. That's going to be where the millionaires are made. This is going to be where your children's children begin to still eat. Even though people are like, you know, the world is going to be different in 30 to 40 years. You're going to see your whole life change because of real estate and entrepreneurship. It won't be because you work mm. someone's job. Mm. It's just unfortunately it's the case. It's, it's going to start happening. And so what do you tell that person who says, I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. How do I come out of this? My body's in pain. Well, I prophesy healing in the name of Jesus. Your body's going to be healed and whole and set free so that you can work the work of what the Lord called you to do so that you can be happy and whole. You can actually live a real life, right? And then still give God the glory. That's what the enemy does is he, he attacks either your finances. He attacks your ability, your body, your, your, or, your, or your identity. Identity, ability, meaning through your body, uh, and then, of course, your finances, your liberty, your freedom. These three things are what mm-hmm. the enemy uses to stop you from saying, yes, God, I'll do this. Or, yes, I will 
help feed the homeless twice a week. Or yes, I'll, I'll start writing that blog. Or yes, for me, it was homelessness. Why am I writing 12 posts a day on Instagram when I'm homeless? My aunt said that. Remember, my family's been poor their whole life. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Da, 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 da. And I said, because God didn't told me to get a job. All I heard him say do is write. And I did, and it changed my life because I obeyed the voice of the Lord. People thought I was crazy, but that pain that I experienced was because there was no support system. There was no one saying, Livy, you can do this. Livy, I got you. You can stay with us for six months while you you start building this platform. That's crazy. That's ideal for an entrepreneur, but that's not, it's uh, it's not always that easy, right? Mm -hmm. And so literally, while you go through the building process, the enemy's going to attack you with everything he got to make you turn your head from the wall. But Nehemiah was told, no, you 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 gotta fight. But then you some of them they 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 worked a little bit, but they were ready to war a little bit too. They built and they warred. That's what we have to be at. You cannot allow the small fires, distractions, death in the family. Okay, let the person arrest in the name of Jesus, grieve appropriately, but do not stop building your business because of it. And I mean that because that's one of the key things I hear a lot and I've heard it a lot in the last the last year. I lost my mom and I stopped my business. I stopped everything. I shut everything down because the devil came after your business. He used what happened in life to be able to get you to, to get sidetracked. So a year of your business is gone. There's a year of you sowing that your children will not reap from. It's a year that you should have been committed to building something that Ooh. could change their life. But because the enemy came after you through you losing someone that you loved and that you needed in your life, you lost out on a year of seed, meaning you lost out on Lord knows how many years of harvest. If you think about this, let's say you have a bank account that has a thousand dollars in it, and then you miss a thousand, you miss a year, and then you start giving a thousand dollars a year after that, but you still miss a year. And that second year might have been one of the most important years for compound interest, right? And that bank account, Ooh, the on. same thing happens in the kingdom. We get on the plow, and then the enemy brings something. And this is what the this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, "Let the dead bury the dead." You're gonna pick up your uh, you're gonna pick up your cross and follow me, or what, right? Because that's what we are now. We're in that hour where we have to say, listen, I don't know why my life isn't lined up, but I know that there's a God that can do this. Let me just try out this God. Let me just see what he's all about. And that was my thing. I knew how to work and hustle, but I did not know how to trust Mm -hmm. God. And I am five years in just learning a different level of faith, another level of faith that opens up wealth that my family has never seen is happening right here with me. So the faith I had five years ago can't even sustain me now. It's not even going to work anymore. Because where God is taking across different levels of faith and different levels of trust that cannot be found in the hands of man, that includes my own hands. Wow. That is very powerful in itself, Coach Vivi. And with something that you have mentioned earlier, with seed for the breakthrough, you came to a point where there was no resource in terms of bringing the moneymaker. And the Lord gave you an instruction. And this is why, once again, Having a relationship with God is crucial and even more so spending time with him will give you the ability to hear a clear direction of what to do. And God gave you a clear direction of letting of letting you know what he wanted you to do so you can gain capital. Because a lot of people say, I can't start my business because of capital. So what would you tell that person? And can you share with us your testimony of that capital? Yes, 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 absolutely. So uh, remember the first, I was homeless 2012, 2013. And, and, and then 2014, I came back. I left my children. In, I'm sorry, this is the part of the story they missed. Uh, I, I submitted my children into the state of Florida's care in May of 2013. Mm-hmm. 
because none of my family would support me anymore. They would not. They would not give us a place to sleep. And they would, no one would do it. And I was like, I have four kids. Just give us an air mattress. We'll be okay. But they wouldn't do it anymore. So I called up the Department of Children and Families in South Florida and gave them my children. Cause I said I don't have anywhere to put them. The homeless shelters wow. are saying no. So we have too many. I have too many children. The shelters are saying no. Remember, I came out of a mission home in Orlando that said no. Oh, you I am the Orlando union. They said no first. Someone had to call and say, this girl is great. Let her in. And they let me have a room with my four kids. But wow. for having more children than one makes it much harder to get help. So because I have four kids, I kept getting no's from them. And I had to give my children up. And four days later, my sister in her naivety, right? It's, I mean, my gosh, she's eight years younger than me to the day. And uh, she said, Libby, I just don't want you in the house anymore because I was having a mental breakdown because my children are in state care. I don't know where they are. They were really, they are still a big part of me. They were at that point as well. And I was like, what do I do without my babies? I don't know what to do. Like, I, I lost everything I had, including my children. And so I started going through what was a, a breakdown. Like, I was screaming at the sky. And even then, you know what God told me one day, Lucia? He told me, he, as I was screaming at the sky at midnight, and my sister, because my sister let me stay there, but she wouldn't let me and my children stay there. I'm back to my sister's home, and I was sleeping in her bed, and I was crying on her floor. I was, I was rocking in her kitchen. Like, I, I wasn't stable anywhere. I just started being angry with everybody, and I started, you know, you could just, you know, I lost my children because no one would help me. And so what happened yeah. is I was screaming at the sky. I was screaming at the sky, and it was these little center block poverty-filled homes that are literally reserved for the poverty, like, poverty-stricken. And this is what mm-hmm. the Lord said. He said, Louis, this is what these people deal with. They deal with this ceiling. They deal with these familiar spirits. So the moment one tries to come out, they're crushed by the weight of other, the spirits that come on top of them. And the Lord said, this is why that you can see people walking around doing drugs and you can see them walking around with alcohol. It's because they feel like they have no hope. Wow. Even while I was screaming, I was hearing God. And so my sister came and she, she hugged me. She, she doesn't understand. She didn't have children at that point. What I was going through. And she says, I just want to take you somewhere. I'm going to a heat game. Can I take you out? Me, you know, me, me and, my, and her then boyfriend, now husband, telling you, God is so good. She's like, can I take you to a heat game? And I said, yeah, I'll go. At that moment, I made a decision. I could die right there in my sister's apartment or I could decide to live. And I don't know what's going on Ooh. with my babies and I'm going to see them in a couple of days, but I got to live. Ooh. And I stepped outside. Now, that people, they, 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 they talk bad about me, Lucia, and said I was crazy, girl. When I tell you, my sister said, you don't love your kids. I said, you wouldn't know what love is. You don't know what wow. love is to tell me that I don't love my own children. But that night, I was sitting there watching a girl use my phone to use Instagram. Now, I had the application in my phone. I didn't know what it was, right? And so I said, uh, what's this? How do you use it? I'm a millennial. I'm only 26. You know, I'm young. I still, I'm still hip to the game at that point. Right? I'm 32 now. Uh, it's been like, what, five, six years since this point. Four days after, after giving my children in state care, because I couldn't, there's nowhere else I could put them. After putting them in state care, girl, listen, I, I, and I don't feel any regrets for it, because they came out better. They came out better, and I was like, we're able to go through a healing process. So I give God the glory. They came out, you know, they were in school. They came out in classes. They were always smart kids. So it wasn't that they were not smart. It's just that they didn't have a stable home environment because of the decisions mm-hmm. I made before they were ever born. I need that to resonate with somebody. And so literally, Oof. when I was sitting and watching this girl, the Lord said, you can use this to vlog your comeback. Do some video, vlog your comeback. Ooh. And I was like, I, let me, and I started using Instagram four days after losing them. God said, you can use this tool. 
Girl, when I told you I went in 2013, I only had about 2,000 followers. But I was going to school. Remember, I had I had signed up for school. I was in school. I was eight in classes. But then my auntie said I couldn't stay with her anymore. So I had to leave South Florida, period. Leave my children in South Florida because I, I had nowhere down South to stay anymore. So my auntie said I couldn't stay with her even though I was doing well in school. I was acing classes. I was looking for work, but I couldn't really find work. But the one thing I kept doing, she would see me on her couch posting every hour on Instagram. I would post messages from my heart, things that I had learned in my walks and my travels, things that I had learned through all of the, the, the mistakes I made, the friendships I connected to, the toxic relationships. When I tell you God began to speak, girl, and I began to grow, and people began to just find me and say, who is Coach Livy, right? It was Coach Livy at that point, Right? I learned in that first 2013, mm-hmm. and then, of course, I had to leave South Florida so that I spent three months in, in, in uh, Atlanta in 2013. This is why I came back, because I knew this was home. Because I walked through Atlanta. I walked through Bankhead, Buckhead. I walked through the city. Somebody's going to hear this name. Life is about to change, woman of God. I promise you. And as I walked through mm-hmm. the city, I would cry because I would be like, God, why am I even here? Because God told me to come. I would be in different shelters because God told me to come. While my children were literally... Uh, in South Florida, and they thought I had abandoned my children. They didn't know where I was. No one knew where I was. I didn't tell them. No one knew. I just left Atlanta. I had to learn how to move in silence because if I would have told anybody, I would have had more warfare. Mm. When I came back in 2014, it had been a year. I had literally doubled someone's audience on Facebook from 26,000 to 48,000 followers, learning what I learned about building movements. I learned how to use social media. That year was the year of training to use social media. And then I said in April, uh, I said, listen, I'm going back home. I had went back home that, that spring, like in February. I went back home to South Florida. I went into the DCF office. I said, listen, I'm back, and I want to see my children this weekend. They said, okay, cool. You have supervised visits because you left. They, they don't know if you're dependable, even though I gave my children up. I got never no drugs, no removal, none of that. I gave them up, but I was on supervised visitation. My, my ex was on unsupervised. And I was highly disrespected by somebody in that office, which absolutely turned it around. I can't even talk about that now, but I can, but I don't mm-hmm. even want to. But I, I wrote a letter, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, wrote, I wrote a six-page letter to uh, the Department of Children and Families, VP, head of VP. I, I emailed about, I, I CC'd about 14 people up the line, including my new case manager when I came back. And she looked at me when I came in, and she said, I'm so sorry. Because I told them from beginning to end what had happened to me. Because I'm a writer. I'm a good one. Yes. I'm informed, yeah. I'm educated, I've been to three English classes, and I'm mm-hmm. about two of them. I'm a writer. I wrote a six-page letter, and my case manager, the new one, became my biggest advocate. I didn't have to fight for myself anymore. She fought for me in the courtrooms. Because, and you got your and kids I got, back. I got my kids back that April when I came back in 2013. I started at Queensworth the same month I got my children back from the state of Florida. Even though I didn't have a job, I didn't have any money, I learned how to use the system. I provided in-kind care. Their dad could work and they, he could make the money to pay the rent, but he could not pick them up to and from school. So they could not release them to him without me to picking them up to and from school. I had to be their child care. Yeah. So because I was their child care, I provided in-kind care to my children. Wow. So, Every, I think your story is so beautiful because you just see at the end the seal of God's glory yes. upon me. And that is like within your victory, there is success because you went through the failures and you you went from one point to the next. Like the word of God says, we go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So I wanted you to share with us as we're wrapping up with this amazing, powerful podcast, what is success to you, Coach Levy? Girl, let me tell you something. 
I used to think it was houses and cars, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, we all want to be comfortable. I realize now mm-hmm. that success isn't even accolades. It's not having a hundred something thousand followers or being able to make money on demand. That's all well and good and have this place. Success is being able mm-hmm. to sleep at night, knowing that you've been, you've pleased God. And that Oof. when you wake up in the morning, that you don't have to dirty <clears throat> your hands or clean your hands because you did something out of order. Mm, that's powerful. And that is, that is very relevant to what mainstream success is, is of money and it's of um, cars and possessions. And at the same time, we also know that in the same way, success is also having freedom of your time because you can always get money back, but you can't, you cannot get time back. Right. Um, And God will always make something beautiful from something ugly. So with that being said, as we're in, in the last question of this, what is a message that you have for men and women who have faced adversity in their life, who don't believe in themselves, and maybe they don't believe in God in the extent of being their source and their, their catapult to, to bring them from one place of struggle to a place of victory? What would you tell them from your testimony? Coach I'm, I'm trying to think of the question. I'm trying to think on the question. From a place of struggle to a place of victory is what I heard. That's what I, mm-hmm. I picked yes. up on. I, I'll say this. I had to realize that I wasn't there on my own. A lot of what we do mm-hmm. is, as people who are coming out of old things, going into new seasons, it's feeling like we're doing it by ourselves. So we operate like we're doing it by ourselves. We don't operate like we wow. have the power of the Holy Spirit behind us. And so I would just learn to breathe and pray. And every time I progressed, I would learn to breathe and pray. Whenever the enemy came against me, I learned to breathe and pray. And know that sometimes what you're dealing with is birthing pains. I had to just mm. pray through some things. I had to get on my face before the Lord. I had to breathe and pray, God, I need a miracle. You know, I pulled a couple of those too. Okay. But at the end of the day, if it didn't happen, God, it's your will. And I don't mind. Mm. I don't mind. I just want to make sure that if your name... Listen, if if you're on it, Lord God, if you're on it, God, it's going to come to pass. I don't have to worry about it. Your listen, your name is on it, God. I know that you're going to do it. Wow. That's I just stop I stop worrying. I stop fearing and I just be at peace before the Lord. It's a part of my coping mechanisms. This is why I teach a lot of my clients and a lot of my people that I certify. A lot of the leaders that I certify is that if we don't have good coping mechanisms, how can we help the person? who's sowing into our lives have good coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Wow. That is, that's impacting. I feel like that's an impacting statement for whoever has listened. And if you receive this, really receive it and run with it. So with that being said, thank you so much, Coach Livy, for being on Royal Generations podcast. And you can definitely follow her through her Instagram, IG, at a queen's worth. And she also has a website, which is coachlivy.com. And you can also reach out to her if you have any questions in terms of um, business coaching. And if you want to be a certified coach, if you want to be someone who just, you know, reaches out to her in terms of um, uh, business mentorship, which I really recommend. And thank you so much, Coach Livy, for being here. And we bless you and thank you. Thank you. It's been phenomenal. It's been 55 minutes. This is good. This has been really, really good. (laughs) Yes. And her 
IG. I'm going to put it down on the description box. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in to Royal Generations podcast where you are hashtag a warrior and you are part of hashtag Royal Generations.